Warning, these spy-centric movie review episodes contain adult language, mature situations, descriptions of cool gadgets by Q Branch, debonair main characters with a penchant for action, sexy female characters in exotic locations, evil members of a criminal organization bent on world domination, strange henchmen with unique features, and memorable music. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, and listeners... Please do try to pay attention and try to return the gadgets in one piece. Thank you. Barkin Motion Picture Review, James Bond 007, Dr. No. Hello everyone and welcome to a very special edition of the Spark in Motion Picture Review where we're doing something a little bit different for the year because, well, we are gearing up for the 25th film in the epic film adaptation of the Ian Fleming super spy, James Bond. Now this is the 25th film in the Ion Pictures, we're not talking about the non-Ion films like Casino Royale 1967, or the Casino Royale from the 40s, or Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery in 1983, which we can arguably say was just a remake of Thunderball. But, I'm not doing this alone. Joining me... Hey, it's Greta. Yes, and we're kind of excited because we're going to go through uh, the majority of these films and talk about them, pluses, minuses. We're also going to be rating them on our own so at the last film we're going to actually go over the ratings for where they are what did we think was the best what do we think was the worst depending on little things here and there i still think we need to rate them after we see the one that comes out this year i think that's a good point but we're gonna do like we did with the avengers we're going to rate them and rate on three things well four things it's going to be the film itself so yep. best film we're gonna have the best theme song right we're gonna have the best bond villain and then finally the best Bond gadget. Now, I know you, you're wondering, wait, what about Bond Girl? Well, it turns out that one of the things, the gimmicks for the Bond series was that all Bond movies have three girls per film. So three times 25 is 75 girls we'd have to go through, plus additional girls who are bad guys and henchmen like Bambi and Thumper, so it becomes to a large amount, like and 126 I mean, like, girls. And James might be up for that, as in Bond, James Bond, but uh, that's a lot of girls. Yeah, so we're going to kind of just talk about, highlight them whenever we review them specifically in the episode, so we won't bring them up later, but we do have a couple of interesting mentions. But beforehand, if you're joining us for the first time, you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spyrican.com. Yes, where we have all of our movie reviews, our manga reviews, game reviews con reviews and everything else we're also on twitter tumblr instagram facebook youtube apple podcasts stitcher spotify and various other social media sites just type inspirekin i guarantee you'll find us remember to follow us on stitcher follow us on everything. spotify just follow us on everything and if you want to say really cool go to tinyurl.com forward slash help zan and you can actually leave a comment on apple podcasts and it's kind of like putting a tip in the tip jar. It just gives me a little bit of hope when I get comments and, you know, ratings. Let me know what you like. And they'll give me a little more hope to keep doing this podcast I love so much. I've been doing it since 2008. Woohoo! 
So, James. James Bond. I wish it was James Bond. No, no, no. Kind of. Do you? Well, let's... Part of me wants to be a Bond girl. Well, being a Bond girl is one thing. <laughs> Depends on... But... <laughs> How do we say this? Well, first off, the big thing is that the James Bond series, just for a little bit of information, was written by Ian Fleming, who was an, a British author, journalist, and actually was a naval intelligence officer who also was related to a member of parliament in, you know, in 1910. He wrote a bunch of books in the 50s, including a book called Casino Row, which introduced a debonair spy known as James Bond. And he's wrote 11 books that were about James Bond. They were adapted over time, and they've been reinterpreted, and people have written sequels, so on and so forth. And, like, the first adaptation of James Bond was in the 50s, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the first real adaptation, the one that most people know about, which was made in 1962. And this is a film which was iconic for its time because most people had never thought of spies like this before. Yeah, there wasn't really a, a super cool spy movie. Yeah, like the earliest spy film, I think, would be uh, like The Saint or... OSS-117 or the Falcon. I mean, they had them. It just wasn't... Or like the the Man Who Knew Too Much. Like, these are films that were there, but they were just like... Not James Bond. Yeah, it was like... This... Not super cool. It wasn't a super spy. It was just like, you know, it's very cloak and daggery. Like, here's a, here's a secret job. There wasn't a secret agent. Someone who, like, you're like, wow. But two guys named... Harry Saltzman and Albert Broccoli decided to bring this to life. They produced this film based on one of the greater books, talking about Dr. No. And obvious, I mean, I'm not going to say obviously, but uh, chances are you've seen more than one James Bond movie. If you're listening to this podcast, this is not new for you. But what was interesting, and stop me if I'm jumping in too far, but what's interesting is there's not a lot of gadgets in this one. I forgot. This is one of my favorites. It's early on. It's, well, early on. It's the first 007 James Bond film, but there's like no gadgets. Uh, yes, it's a film where it's the basics. It's the beginning, and it does set up a lot of elements to it. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit, but first off, just some other little notes here and there. This is directed by Terrence Young, who's a guy who also directed some of the later Bonds. Uh, the second one he, he directed, and then the fourth one, which actually makes a good point because there's a character who shows up in the first and second who is supposed to be showing up in multiples and makes it interesting. Uh, this is, uh, like I said, based on Dr. No by Ian Fleming's. It was made for $1 million, and it brought off $60 million. Not bad. And it's starring, just going backwards, it's going to have Jack Lord as Felix Leiter. You have Joseph Wiseman as Dr. No. You have Zena Marshall as Miss Taro. You have Eunice Gason as Sylvia Trench. You have Peter Burton as Major Boothroy. Uh who's the head of Q Branch. He's eventually replaced by someone much better. 
you have uh, where is uh, Lois Maxwell as Miss Many Benny. You have Bernard Lee as M. You have Ursula Anders as Honey Rider. Mm-hmm. And then finally, starring as James, James Bond. 007, Commander Bond himself. We have Sean Connery. Who is still one of my all time favorite Bonds? Arguably, could be considered one of the best Bonds, and this is the first story about it. Now, if you've never seen Dr. No, break it down. It's the introduction of James Bond, and he is hired to investigate a disappearance of an agent. And and to clarify, it's not the introduction of James Bond. It's just the first movie. Yes, so he's been an agent for a while, and he's been hired, or not hired... He, he's been chosen to investigate the disappearance of one of their station chiefs in Jamaica and figure out what happened and how it's involved with a case involving um, some issues at Cape Canaveral with radio jamming. Yep. And so he goes to Jamaica and deals with a lot of craziness, uh, meets his CIA counterpart, Felix Leiter, who eventually becomes one of his good friends, and... Faces off with the eponymous Dr. No, who introduces not just being a supervillain, but he also introduces the concept of his employers, an evil organization known as the Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion, or... Or Spectre. Yes. So this film sets up a lot of dominoes for future films. Also sets up a lot of key moments to the films themselves. Uh, one of the things I do enjoy about it is that one it opens up and it sets up that iconic opening which they used until the Daniel Craig errors, which was the stuntman mis- that jumps. He's like it, you're looking at him through the barrel of the gun, and then he's wearing a suit and a hat, and then he jumps and shoots you, and then your barrel turns red and you and, and, falls you, and you die. And... Opens up with that. So basically, it opens up with you dying. So the the infamous gun barrel opening was set up in this also the introduction of the james bond theme song was the opening for this which is the which was used throughout the film now fun fact that's actually not the theme song for this film the theme song is called three blind mice it's only used for a minute it was kind of forgotten totally forgotten but the song which pervades uh, something which this sets up is that throughout the film they're going to have a song that they're going to play over and over again in different variations. Which is brilliant. I love that. Uh, we'll go more to it in our, the next review which is from Russia with Love but in this one the song that they play over and over again is uh, what is it called? Uh, it's the Mango Tree? Uh, something something Mango Tree? Yeah and it's not that it's like played in the like you know when you're watching a movie and it's played so that you, the viewer, are listening it. This song is played in the movie so that the characters are listening to it. Yes, uh, Under the Mango Tree. Uh, it's a Je- uh, Jamaican Calypso song. And they play it over and over again. And It's on a record player when he's at the one place. It's like hummed by the... Um, what's her face? Is she? No, it's sung by Honey Rider, but it's it's not actually Angela Ursula Andrews. Actually, she's dubbed over for the singing. Uh, we have we'll we'll get to 
the Bond girl soon, but uh, it's a prevalent song, and it's just it's interesting. And even James Bond sings it at one point, which is really weird because his James Bond is much more in this film. He is debonair. He's on the job and he's flirty, but he's not bad. This is like a an earlier James where he's still he's still kind of learning. I want to say. Like, he's not as damaged as he becomes later on. Yes. And he's, like, uh, going into it. There are some Bond girls in this. The first one, which is arguably the first Bond girl, and they admit this is she's the first Bond girl, is Miss Trench. Sylvia Trench, who she's famous for two reasons. One, originally she's supposed to be James Bond's girlfriend and show up in multiple films. She actually shows up in two of the films. Yep. But that's not what she's famous for. The reason why she's famous is because we first see her in the beginning of Dr. No after the heist happens when it goes to a casino. And she's talking to someone and flirting and says, oh, well, uh, my name is Trench, Sylvia Trench. And then when he introduces himself, that's when he says Bond, James Bond, because she said last name First, first name, last name. So the whole lead up of Bond, James Bond, is because of this woman. And Eunice Gason is a very, well, she's a fun, interesting <laughs> Bond girl, let's say. Very forward. Yes. She's very forward. I like, mean, she's kind of like, she sets it up. She sets the bar, I think, for other Bond girls. Her like hair, he goes, like, like She's beautiful. She's got a great figure. Her hair. She's got money. She's independent. And she breaks into his apartment. <laughs> his hotel room. Yeah. And, you know, again, very forward. Very risque. Oh, she's just like... But, but like, that kind of kicks it off. Like, there, there you go, ladies. There's the expectation for a Bond girl. Yes, you have to be forward thinking and you have to be willing to do a lot. And I love that she's, she's doing playing golf in the middle of, in just a shirt. It's like, oh, I changed to be much more... Uh, more comfortable. It's like he's like, well, I've got to leave. You have to leave now. Ah, I've got some time. He's like, I got to leave now. Immediately, immediately. He's like, immediately, almost immediately. Almost immediately. This and it comes to bite him in the ass later. And then next Bond girl is not literally because he would have enjoyed that. Maybe next Bond girl is Zena Marsh, who she is. Um, this bothers me greatly. She plays Miss Taro, uh, a secretary to uh, kind of she's she's a bad girl. She's she sets up the precedent for one's going to be a good girl, one's going to be a bad girl, and this is the bad girl. She's double agent for Doctor No, and you know she's a bad agent. But more importantly than that, she's someone who's dressed up. She's supposed to be Asian. Yeah. And she's not. No, she's not. She's <sighs> she's really not. She's in, I think you call it yellow face. Yeah, this is the beginning of racially insensitive makeup. Ugh. I think we hit the high point in the fifth film, I think. That's the high point of no more at that point. You're like, yeah, no, you can't. Actually, no. No, that's not true. The high point is die another day. That's really racially insensitive. But yeah, this is pretty bad. Uh, and of course, last one who we said, uh, Honey Rider, Ursula Andrews, with that famous scene of her coming out of oh the the, 
the bikini. That is the iconic bikini. She yes. comes out of the water. She's got a bikini with a little belt on it, with a little diving knife on it. It's the... I, it's such an iconic moment. It is an iconic moment just seeing that. And it's also like some people say, oh, that's the scene that you wanted to have on your wall, the, the picture of Honey Rider. And it's an impressive scene. It just It's a scene which, again, sets up that you're going to have that one scene where you have the main Bond girl for the movie show up and just wow you. Right. Like, they came out strong from the gate with um, Dr. No. I mean, the first girl you're introduced to, very forward, very beautiful. Honey Rider, just, I like, that bikini became the, the kind of the bar which all bikinis were kind of measured against. Um, the other aspect of it is you had uh, that she was not... She was, I read, I learned by reading encyclopedias, I'm up to... She's stupid. Yeah. Not all Pond girls are stupid. No. Not all There's a little ditzy quality to quite a lot of them. Some might argue most of them. But, and she's really smart at some of the things that she knows. Like she knows, oh, this seashell will get me this much. And da, oh, da, da, when da. she said that the like, seashell made $50 in 1960, which equates to $500, that's like... Okay, I can see why you went onto an island where you probably could die for seashells that are worth that much. I mean, seven of those seashells, you're paying your rent. So and she's buying not a house. like stupid. She's just not book smart. She's like, I'm just pretty. Like, do 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 do. No, she tries her best to kick butt, and uh, she has a knife. She's willing to use it. Yes, yeah, she is. Even though it does not help that there is an evil dragon on the island. Yeah, she's ugh, just not the sharpest tool in the shed. They were that was just really dumb. Like, oh, the dragon's coming against us. Like, it's a tank. It's a freaking tank that has a flamethrower on it, and it has painting like a dragon. Yeah, that's 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 what it is. Now we've talked about that. Other thing we should talk about is the uh, characters. The other two characters for the thing, because generally Bond films have two big things. You have a villain, and then you have the henchman. And in the first film, the henchman really was. Well, there are two henchmen. The first one is the three blind mice, which are just three guys who pretend they're blind and they kill people. They're there for... Eh, they're, 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 they're there, and the, they kind of keep continuously pop up. The, the movie starts with you watching them in town, being blind, walking, walking forever into nowhere, into the hotel parking lot where they finally kill someone, and then you're like, oh, and they're is, not blind. And they set up the whole thing of them stealing, uh, kidnapping the guy who disappeared, and setting up everything in motion. Right. And then they try killing James a couple times, and they get outsmarted, then they die. However, the other, uh, quote-unquote, henchman is a professor who's a genealogist who pretends he's dumb, but he's actually working for Dr. No, and... He ends up going after to kill James Bond. Mm-hmm. And James gives probably the best line in the film. One of the best lines of the film. Now, usually we do our favorite lines at the end of the film, but we're going to go a little different with James Bond because there are so many lines. But it's funny because they he ends up trying to kill James in his sleep. James sets it up where he's sleeping. Guy breaks in. Points his silenced gun at the bed where you think James would be hiding, even though James is behind the door hiding, playing solitaire. He shoots the bed six times, walks in. James catches him off guard, points his famous peep, 
Walter PP7 at him and says, it's a revolver, you've had your six, and then shoots him. My favorite line, it's the driver who, you know, James has been the there's a girl that tries to photograph him at the airport there's a driver that shows up for him that's not actually not really for him um he's in the car on the way to the hotel and the driver like goes to try to kill him and instead um james kills the driver and then puts the driver into the back seat of the car pulls up to the hotel and he goes hey can you um watch him make sure he doesn't go anywhere and then, you know, the man at the front, like the valet guy, he's all like, oh, yeah, of course. And he goes like, oh, my God. You know, like, he's dead. He's dead. And speaking of which, we should bring up the villain himself, Dr. No. Now, Dr. No is an intelligent, charismatic villain who has a very intriguing plan after he captures James in a very convoluted way. And his plan is just simply that he, Spectre and him are going to extort money for millions of dollars because he's going to disrupt a project from Cape Canaveral with his radio beam. And actually, he tries at first to recruit Bond to Spectre, but it's like, he's like, you're just a dumb policeman because he knows James is not going to give up. And eventually, James escapes. He fights him and defeats Dr. Noah in a very... I don't want to say lazy, but it was just a very weird fight. Because they're just fighting on an elevator. Well, the fights haven't gotten spectacular yet. Yeah, they're not over the top. They're very very realistic. Except for the fact that something we didn't bring up, which I was trying to bring up earlier, is Dr. Norris sets up the premise that the villains have something wrong with them physically, or you, they have a weird gimmick. Um, for Dr. No, his thing is that his hands have been replaced with metal hands. So they can crush metal. Because he lost his hands. Yes. And it's due to radiation exposure because he's dealing with radiation. At the end of the film, he ends up falling into the nuclear pool reactor as they fight. And the last thing you see is his hands melting. Well, no, he can't He can't use them to grab onto the bars to get himself out. So he drowns because of his lack of hands. And his hands melt at the end. And the end of the film is also ends the other thing of a James Bond movie, which is at the end, there's a witty line, and then they're gonna, uh, he's with the girl, and they're gonna kiss. That's the end of the movie. Yep. This sets up so many staples of Bond films, and of spy films in general. Uh, you have the villain who has henchmen with a gimmick. You have the villain who has a very... Uh, Sinister demeanor, because Dr. No is sinister. He's not someone who's unintimidating. He's very intimidating. His plans are very eloquent. It's not a... It's, it's distinctive. Yeah. It stands out, you know? And this film does not play uh, tricks. This is not an indestructible bond where everyone is indestructible. Several of the people who assist Bond get hurt really bad. They die. Um, they die with really fake looking blood and when people get shot there's really not holes in them they just kind of like grab at their chest but that's what I love about old movies you know yeah but I mean you have like uh, his friend uh, Quarrel who is a fisherman who was kind of cool he was a uh, boatman who helped him out Uh, he dies a horrific death where he's incinerated and 
James Bond, he's hurt when he goes to uh, at the end of the movie when he's escaping. He's it's not like he's not hurt. He's it's he's not indestructible. But all of the Bonds like get hurt. They get beat up. They have to recover. That's why they go on, you know, quote unquote vacation and they you know, either mentally and or physically re- are recovering from things. They fight. They have broken bones. They um, have scars on their body, you yes. know? Uh, yeah, the scar from this movie shows up in the next, and they mention the next movie. So, overall, let's see. the While it is a dated film, it is a staple. It's a classic. It's dated, but it's classic. And it's... And, Seeing Sean Connery in this film was intriguing because also the big thing is that Sean Connery was not their first choice. Their first choice what? originally was Cary Grant, but Cary Grant would only do one movie. That's it. Cary Grant would have been very, very cool, but Sean Connery, like, hats off to him and in Dr. No in the original he's not like overly super tan like he does get a little bit later on oh he gets like, like I think he like ah, oh, he's a good bond yeah the, the the best is that you had other people like David Niven who shows up in the uh, parody movie Casino Royale in the 60s who mm-hmm. plays James Bond in that he was there you had John Drake from Danger Man also uh, Patrick McGowan was considered now the craziest one of all the one who was one of the front runners, but they said he was too young and he was too pretty. Was Roger Moore? Hmm. For this movie, they said he was too young for it and too pretty, which is interesting because for a secret agent, you don't want them to stand out. You want them to be able to blend in, right? So they can't be too good looking. They can't be too ugly. They can't be too distinctive, but they have to still have like a commanding presence. So, I. I, that's interesting. It's fun. Also, but there is kind of contradiction. So, sorry, Sean Connery, you're, you were not pretty enough to be the first James Bond, and congratulations. It was a contest to find James Bond. Well, that's crazy. Connery had that... And the way that he says many penny, and the way he throws his hat onto the hat rack. It's just a devil-may-care style that he had it was just being dapper witty and just cool and that's all things james bond that's how you got to be with james bond and this first film is iconic it's great and it just i love that the setting it's in jamaica and london and i love that they show jamaica and london and it's not just oh it's a sound stage it's really a big part and that's also another staple of James Bond from this is that the great locations yep and starting off in Jamaica from London is and it's rarely ever in London James Bond is rarely ever in England Mm, for now rarely rarely and It's there's so much more we could talk about for the for the for this. But I think for the first one, like this is the first one. I I don't think we should say more necessarily. I don't think we should, and we're not going to go crazy about it. But as you said, that's all we really can say about it. 
The only other thing I will say is that this is a great way to open up this with a great film that is iconic and that is rewatchable, in my opinion. Uh, we're not going to be doing any of our real ratings for these. We're not going to say our uh, ratings yet. Uh, yet. At the end, we'll give our ratings. But for right now, this is an excellent film. It's a great opening and it is rewatchable. And I do enjoy that it is rewatchable. Agreed. Now, for our MVP for the movie, I'm going to say it's going to be Sean Connery. James Bond carries this film. 100%. Our LVP is going to be the Three Blind Mice because, honestly, they are not memorable. Most people don't even remember that they're in the movie. They're just kind of there just to be... It feels a, like it feels a little I don't want to say like racist, but it feels a little stereotypical. They kind of put them in there like not a good representation of the criminal underbelly of Jamaica. Yeah. Could have been better. Agreed. So with that in mind, I think that's it. Uh stay tuned our next episode of the uh motion picture review for James Bond is going to be uh, from Russia with love and kinda yeah uh, well kinda excited to see that one and talk about that so we will get to that in a bit uh, so with that in mind we're out we'll catch you guys next time and remember shaken not stirred <laughs> actually does he say that in this one no he no doesn't. this one's the introduction of the the martini and a man prepares it for him and says vodka prepared just the way um you like it you like it and he goes ah shaken he goes yes yes they don't say the shaken not stirred yet the only line they say is but they start it the name is bond james, james bond. bond so the name is zan 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 <laughs> and i'm greta See you guys next time. Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me, come watch for the moon. Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me, make bulloop soon. Underneath the moonlit sky, me honey and I come sit hand in hand. Underneath the moonlit sky, me honey and I come make fairyland. Mango, banana and tangerine, sugar and aki and cocoa bean. When we get married, we make them grow A nine little child in a row Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me Come watch for the moon Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me We plan marry soon My name is Bond James Bond. My instructions were implicit. I was to leave for Jamaica in two hours. License to kill. Now you may be miss it. You don't miss a thing. I decided to accept your invitation. I have to leave immediately. Just as things were getting interesting again. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Bond, 007. Licensed to kill whom he pleases, where he pleases, when he pleases. From the elegant club rooms of Mayfair to exotic island night spots. Jump up, jump up. Good evening. Who pays you? You. Tell us. A strange adventure of intrigue, treachery, and love. Mr. Bond, I was thinking, why don't you collect me at my apartment? It's lovely up here in the mountains. Her directions were easy to follow, and she sent a few of her friends to make sure I didn't get lost. She thought I was dead, but I proceeded to prove her wrong. I thought it was always polite to knock first before shooting. Honey, from our very first meeting, was everything her name implied. She clung to me like a wet bathing suit. But business as usual came first. The pace was killing. I thought you less stupid. I could have had you killed in the swamp. And why didn't you? You damaged my organization. Unfortunately, I misjudged you. You are just a stupid policeman whose luck is run out. Maybe it was my luck. Up to my neck in hot water. Or something blowing up in my face. You live dangerously with the superbly resourceful James Bond. The exclusive screen dramatization of the book that has entertained millions of viewers. The exotic and tantalizing Dr. No. Some people will go to any extremes for a little privacy. Smith and Wesson. And you've had your six. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. <laughs> 